The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and catch your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wansley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Um, today, my friends, I'm just going to come at this from uh, a far-off angle, headed towards the zone of information. What do I mean by that? I have two emails here that point to some psychological failure mechanisms and you said, well, why? I thought you were a real estate guru. No, I'm not really a real estate guru. I've made millions in real estate, and I've taught other people how to retire making millions in real estate. But I'm not a real estate guru. I'm a life guru. And that sounds stupid, right? Because you say, well, your life perfect? No, my life is nowhere near perfect. Um, but what I have the unique talent of is recognizing and being able to laugh at myself and everybody else around me when you look at stuff and you go, boy, that was really dumb. And the real problem with life is that many, many people live in this. I think I understand the world mode, and really that was dumb as a rock mode. And they continue to believe that they're doing the right thing. And you know the definition of insanity, continue to do that which doesn't work and expect to get a different result, right? So today I got two emails that came in. They're actually on two different problematic topics. But the problematic topics are in line with four different, five different challenges. And I really want to bring up this point. I'm going to try to build a, a cohesive, that may not work, I may not be able to do that, but at least a semi-cohesive argument for the fact that people in most cases destroy their ability to be financially rich and not secure, safe, or healthy, or financially okay, but to be wealthy. They destroy it very early on in life. And there's certain belief systems that do this, all right? And so I'm gonna go through them. Now what I've laid out here is I've laid out five different problems that leave people broke. And whenever you meet somebody who is really broke late in life, they've fallen for one of these five problems. Now, I'm going to give you the outline of the problems and come back to them because I just want you to understand we're aiming for something here, but we're not starting with it. But I don't think you can start at the end of the story and make a cohesive argument for why the end doesn't mean as much as the beginning. So let's take a look at it, and then I will start to build my thesis here. The, the four points that I wrote down are four or five reasons why people are not financially rich. 
and richest relative, you know, believe that. I don't care. A million probably make most people feel rich. Ten million for some of you, 50 million for others. Some of you never feel rich, right? But I'm going to list them down. Number one, bad college choices. Number two, wrong spousal choices. Number three, too large of home and automobile purchases too early in life. Number four, bad investment choices. And number five, the catch-up mentality. Now, you can see what I've done is I've run through your life. And when I meet people and they're not where they want to be at any point in life, um, you can look at where they're at and go, where are they on this journey you know, of choices? And maybe they made one of them or two of them correctly, but the third or the fourth one they made incorrectly, and that ended up destroying them. So let's take a look at this, and by the way, let's not get political or emotional on this, because I'm not really trying to make a social judgment call in any of these. I'm just telling you, hey, this is something to consider when you're looking at, do you want to be wealthy? The problem is, that is a question that has to be asked at an early age for some of these to even be a part of your decision-making process. I knew when I was a kid, I wanted to be rich. I mean, when I was basically a baby, I was running around with a wagon, picking up trash out of the trash cans, bringing it back to my house and having a garage sale to sell to make money. I mean, I had a paper route. I sold, you know, Boy Scout cookies or whatever it was we sold at Boy Scouts to make money. I mean, I've done, I had, you know, orange juice stands or lemonade stands or I did a magic show. I used to do a magic show and charge a quarter to come in and see it. You name it, I've done it to try to make money at an early age when I didn't even understand what money, you know, really, you don't get rich at 10 cent type deals, but it was entrepreneurial. So let's talk about the first real devastating blow to people. And that is the blow of bad college choices. Now you notice I said college choices, I didn't say college itself. I don't think college is a devastation, devastating, devastationally, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Devastationally, devastationally bad choice it's in and of itself, but it definitely is a choice that can go a cinder, a thunder, uh, a stray, whatever it is. I'm trying to come up with all these words that just aren't coming out today. So let's talk about what are bad college choices. How about going after a degree that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever? First of all, you realize college is an investment. So like any investment, you got to get something out of it. I remember when I was a kid, they used to give you this actuarial charts. I remember when we were in high school and they're saying you need to go to college because a less than high school graduate earns $10,000 a year on average. A high school graduate earns $15,000 a year. One year of college earns twenty. Two years earns 25, three years earns 30, and a four-year college degree, you'll be at 35,000. If you get a master's degree, you'll make 40,000. And if you get a doctoral degree, you can make 50 to 100,000. And they were, they were stating it. It wasn't like, well, this is a possibility. This is what will happen. This is what on average happens if you get these different levels of education. Now, I don't even know if that was all true. I mean, that's what they told us. I know if you're my age, you went through that. You were taught that stuff. Somebody's given you that actuarial information. I don't know that it's true. But what I do know is if you take four years 
of African tribal dance, you're not going to get out and get a job that is going to make you any more money than having not gone to college. The only difference is you spent the money for four years of college, and this is an important one for you. You also lost four years of your youth and earning power. And you lost four years of getting out in the real world and learning how to do a real job in a real business. You are living in a college world that has nothing to do with reality, learning information that's absolutely useless in the real world. Now, I was talking to an Indian guy the other day, and he was admitting that, you know, the Indians and the Chinese and the certain cultures are highly demanding of their kids to get an education. He said, you know, if one degree in an Indian family is the minimum for being acceptable in your family and getting a job in that world. He said, most Indians have two or three degrees. And, but I guarantee the D's are not African tribal dance. They're, it's not pot making or quilting, right? It is something like generally engineering, business, finance, or medicine, some type of doctoral and or pharmaceutical type degree. And so when they come out, they are prepared to get into jobs that are real jobs and that pay real money. So they're getting a return on their college investment. And even though, and even though they and everybody else, they're still losing four, six, eight years of earning power. And if I could take four to six to eight years of earning power at the average person um, at a youth age where you really have no overhead. So if you can earn money in your youth, you have nothing else to do with your money. You can save it. And you can save enough that you can invest it. And you could create multiple levels of income that grow exponentially. By the time you're 35 years of age, by the way, I retired at 34 years of age. By the time you're 35 years of age, you should be retired and a millionaire. Of course, I went to one, two years, three years of college. Um, worked during those years, I, but still nothing productive towards my growth. My growth came in the last four or five years of working for corporate America from like 27. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the other four, and we're going to get into the emails that I have to share with you today. We'll be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, I'm going through an ad hoc list of five reasons why people fail financially and starting from youth on up to, uh, you know, mature adulthood. Uh, number one that I came up with was bad college choices. You've got the problem of the wrong, getting the wrong degrees or um, spending too much money on the degrees, uh, going into debt, massive debt for the rest of your life. Um, and so you have uh, loss of earnings for anywhere from two, four, six, eight, ten years. Uh, and the fact that you are going into debt for two, four, six, eight, ten years 
You add those two together and it's a massive financial hole that you've dug yourself into. You've lost earning power for how many ever years you've been in college and that's a massive amount of money. Uh, and you realize you, you had to live during that time, so you're living on something. So you're eating up somebody's money, if not your own money, to live on. You lost the earning power to be able to make that occur, so you're going into debt. Then you're paying for school and going into debt. So now you have loss of earnings and school debt. And that's a heck of a negativity to start out on. Many people don't get out from underneath of that burden till way into their 40s, sometimes even late 40s and early 50s. Number two, wrong spousal choices. Man, I'd like to have a nickel for every time people have told me, you know, Del, I'm, I'm where I am because of my divorce and or divorces. And... I would think financially there's probably no more important choice than your spouse. That's why if you go again, let's talk about some uh, other nationalities like the Indian relationship, Indians, um, their past history, they used to have arranged marriages. And the concept was you take one strong financial family, put it with another strong financial family, the two of them together married are going to be a strong financial uh, family, right? Uh, whereas if you go out here and you marry the wrong person, you marry somebody with a broke mentality, you're going to be broke. If you marry somebody with a nagging personality, you're going to be miserable and not be able to live up to your true potential, right? So you also have people that are demotivators. You have people that tell you no matter what you do, you're a failure. Now, here's a challenge. Sometimes you that are married have that loser. In other words, I've had people come to me all the time and say, well, I can't invest because I have to go ask my wife. And say, okay, why do you have to ask your wife? Don't you have a job? Don't you have a decision in this family? And he'll go, yeah, but I've done so many stupid things. My wife now has told me I can't do anything without her permission. Well, there it is. You've done so many stupid things. She stopped you from doing stupid things. Uh, what your real problem is you, not really your marriage. The problem for the spouse, whether it be female or male, because these things come on both sides, is that the spouse should have got rid of the loser early on. If the loser has lost your money for your family multiple times, you go, well, I love him or I love her, and we have kids together, okay, I get that. So you're going to be broke. That's all there is to it. If love and raising a family and all those really important things in life are more important than being broke, then don't think that a real estate training program can make you unbroke. It can't overcome the interpersonal daily decisions that you make. And I've seen marriages where people basically, they try to outspend each other. They know that we're going to get a paycheck, we're going to stick it in the bank, and one of us is going to spend it. And really, it could be a person that's not even a spender. They could be a saver, but the other person spends it so fast. They go, you know, even though I'm a saver, I know if I'm going to get anything that I want for our family, for our house, for our life, for this, I've got to just spend it out from underneath that person. And you see this stuff all the time. And so when you're married to somebody like that, they devastate your financial situation. They basically steal money out of the family's finances to get what they want. And you really can't get ahead that way. There's no way you can overcome. Because the more money you make, the more they'll steal. That's it. The more you make, doesn't matter how much money you make. If you make a ton of money, they will spend a ton of money. You can't stop them. It's a bad decision. So there's all kinds of reasons that people shouldn't be married to each other. Right? There's all kinds of them. But spousal decisions, I think, are one of the, the major failures. As I read some of these emails, you'll understand what I mean because you see it happening. Number three, too large of a home at auto too early in life. Hey, 
Once you're rich, you can afford anything you want. But if you go out there and put yourself in home debt and become uh, house poor, as they call it, or automobile poor, you are paying down debt that is so heavy, you're never going to be able to save, you're never going to be able to invest. So it's just, you know, one of those things that if you spend that kind of money, you'll never get ahead. Now, by the way, one of them I wanted to put in here, and I didn't even put in here, uh, correlates with um, too much home, too much auto. And get it, get ready. Okay, I hope you're sitting down now. All you people out there ready to throw stones at me, I'm ducking. Too many kids, too soon. Or having your first kids too early. I know so many people that have a two-working-person family. They have a kid, the wife quits. Or vice versa, in this day and age, the husband quits. And now they have a one-person working family. They've cut their potential earnings in half. Okay? That's just one kid. Now, throw in the cost of a kid. Oh, my God. It's Nobody out there understands what a kid costs until you have one. You couldn't even guess. As grandparents, we dropped five, six grand in one week of our grandkids visiting us just because we had to have additional baby sleeping quarters, additional baby and or kid chairs for the cars. Because even now, kids even up to seven or eight years old have to be in some kind of car seat of some kind. And if I'm saying that those ages are too old, maybe it was probably only five or six, but grown adult kids are sitting in car seats now. The cost of having a kid is unbelievable. And the cost of having many of them is even worse. And the spouse can't go back to work because the cost of daycare is more than what the spouse can earn once you're paying for daycare for two or more kids. It just becomes inappropriate and effective. So what have you done? You've dug a hole that is so deep, it's almost impossible to get out of it. So what is the next step? Well, I better try to do some really excitable investments. And so... By the time you finally decide you want to get out of that hole and you want to have some money and you want to be successful, even though you have a good career going, you're making good money, you're so far in debt from college, you're so far in debt from kids, you're so far in debt from your house and your automobile that you can't save enough to invest enough. So what do you do? You say, well, if I only have $10 to invest, I better go to some kind of a seminar teach me how to take $10 and turn it into a million. And then you fall into the next problem right? The catch-up mentality. Now, some of you just pick bad investment decisions, which I've, that's what I've been teaching for 30 years, bad investment decisions compared to good investment decisions. But some of you, even though you've never even picked really any investment decisions, you're at that point where you believe you're behind the curve. And now you've got to go take massive risk. It's that point when you get to that point that you're willing to take massive risks, that you're ready and willing to wipe yourself out. When that point, you know, the further you get down the line in life, the more conservative your investment strategy should be. The younger you are, the more aggressive you should be. You've heard that a million times. But the reality is, whether you're aggressive, not aggressive, young or old, the right investment strategy is the right investment strategy. The problem is, even when you're introduced to the right investment strategy, if you feel you're behind the ball, then you're going to try to accelerate it too fast. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show.
1370, the right choice. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, I've been discussing what I have come up with as the five reasons, five most common psychological reasons for failure. And I've covered them all um, in a short amount of time here in the first two segments. This segment, I want to go to the emails that were sent to me that made me think of this whole thing and why I started contemplating the concept of psychological failure uh, as opposed to just financial failure. Uh, the first one, I'm not going to tell you who any of these people are because obviously I'm using them. Number one, I'm using them without their knowledge. One of them, the other one knows I'm using it. Um, but also because, you know, we're, we're putting them in a light that is uh, a black light. I mean, we're looking behind the scenes what they may be thinking and may be having going on in their life. And we wouldn't want to share that on people unless we uh, had their permission to do so. So it says, I just uh, joined as a preferred member and I'm nervous, I'm excited, and I'm terrified. Normal. Everybody's that way. Should be. You just invest a lot of money and made the decision you're going to make some incredible financial decisions in your life. So you should be all those things. Next, I'm writing to tell you that I'm now 69 years old and have failed to achieve the amount of money in uh, amount of money to have the lifestyle that I would allow, that would allow me to retire. Now, there you go, 69 years old and still not where they can retire. That is of concern. Uh, you could see that, right? Goes on and says, of particular interest to you is that as a young resident, resident probably doctor, uh, I joined your seminars at the old location off of Richmond near Unity. Guys, that's 20 years ago. All right. At least 20 years ago. I haven't been there since that long. I was so interested then, but with the limitations of my salary and quote unquote, my mind, I didn't pull the trigger. So there we go. He's going through college and he's an intern and he's, he's going through his internship. And here is that education. You understand you've gone to college and you've become a doctor and you're an internship. And 40 years ago, he's 69, so let's back that off here. You know, 40 years ago, it's 69, would made him uh, 29, and yet it couldn't have been 40 years. It might have only been 30, because 40 is when I started to think. So let's say 30 years ago, he was 39 years old. At 39 years of age, he was still in college, basically an intern, still learning, right? And so you ask yourself, did he ever pull out of that? No, there's my point. Even though he became a doctor, he's 69 years old and still can't retire. Now, if that doesn't prove my point, I don't know what does. While I have been successful in my practice, so there you go, he's a successful doctor. My too many divorces and other setbacks have hurt me. There we go again. I hate to be so right so many times in the same email, but there it is. Wrong spousal choices. And he says not just... <laughs> Not just my wrong spouse choice, but my many wrong spouse choices, right? So there you go. Bad college decisions followed by bad spousal choices. And there you go. Setback has hurt me. So actually, join now has given me what I correct, 
has given me the hope that I can correct this and turning things around for me and my family in the next five years. I'm particularly in need of good consultant and mentorship program that you have. In, I congratulate you on your success, and I'm asking for your kindly to look over me in the future. So the bottom line is he's joined up. He's made a decision. He's going to try to fix this stuff. He wants to do it within five years, which is realistic if he's a doctor. If he's making good money and he'll listen and save and not overspending on home, not overspending on paying off his debt in colleges, doesn't have a, a, a spender wife that's going to kill him, he might make it. Okay, But you understand, you see his failure. This is a doctor who did all the things that you're supposed to do and still at 69 years of age can't retire. So did college do him any good? I don't know. I was retired at 34. I kind of think it helped. It hurt him. Okay, let's go on to the next guy. This guy's written before, and he's brought up many other programs, uh, ideas that I've just really crushed personally, in this, to be honest with you. And he keeps coming back. He's a member, but he won't do anything that I tell him to do. Um, but he's brought up another interesting point, which is going to lead me to more uh, education for you guys out there because his painful education uh, by doing it wrong over and over and over again. Remember, you can get educated by doing it wrong. It just costs you a lot of time and money to do it that way. He's already paid for the education from us, but won't listen to a thing we say. Uh, so he says, thank you, Mr. Wamsley. Now remember, this guy, I've already basically took him apart at the seams in earlier radio shows, uh, but he really wants to get ahead. He keeps trying. Problem is, he keeps sending me these ideas that don't work and asking me if they work. These ideas, uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, let me tell you what the idea was. It said, um, what do you... What do you predict will happen with all of these cases where people who are missing their house payments, 33% in the single family market, at some point there will be some people who lose their houses due to COVID. Isn't this a given? Who can really, who can really, who can really, comma, a third party, comma, come in and prevent the lenders from foreclosing? I, am lear I have learned how to prevent foreclosure by buying them subject to existing mortgage and then basically flipping the house as to someone on the lease option or rent to own agreement. Uh, I'll ask around what you think of this. Okay, the first of all, let's go into his first concept. Well, let me start with this concept. All of these seminars, something for nothing, instantaneous midnight madness gurus come up with these ideas and you ask, do they work? And the answer is they've worked once at least. That's why they're writing about them. Maybe they've worked two or three times. Maybe they work particularly well as a particular year and time and place. Um, but the whole concept behind all of this is something for nothing real estate. That's the whole idea. In this particular case, um, to this, it's uh, the foreclosures are not occurring because Fannie and Freddie have been told not to foreclose on people, so they're not happening yet. Will they happen in the future? Possibility. Secondly, if they do foreclose, his theory that he's been taught by these something for nothing people, is you go to the guy and go, look, you're about ready to lose your home in foreclosure. If you don't want the foreclosure on your hands, deed me your house. Right, and then I will take over your payments for you, and you won't go into foreclosure. Well, you don't have any money because I know the guy who's writing this doesn't have any money. That's the whole idea behind these something for nothing, uh, no money, no credit courses. And then he says, I'll go out and find somebody that will rent to own this place, meaning they'll put down the first month's rent security deposit. I'll take that money and I'll pay that first mortgage payment. Then these guys will start paying the mortgage payments, but they will pay me a premium over the top of whatever the payment is. Whew. All right, that's the theory behind it. Does it work? 
No. First of all, the state of Texas, he, by the way, he lives in Indiana, but the state of Texas has outlawed that kind of stuff uh, because it's a giant scam that was per perpetuated on people all the time. Secondly, uh, even if it did work, it doesn't work forever because tenants are not going to pay these payments that are higher and above what they can get normal rent for up and down the street. So the theory in itself uh, is weak. Has it worked in the past? Yes, there are people that have done it. Uh, it has been problematic and has been basically outlawed in many places. Okay, he goes on and says, Mr. Wong, I asked him, I said, where did you get these ideas from, right? And he said, uh, well, thank you, Mr. Wong. These ideas have been really handed to me on a silver platter with hundreds of pages of training manuals with my purchase of the course by Marco Rubel's creation. He learned from an infomercial long ago, and I believe that was Carlton Sheets. Another guy who teaches similar stuff is Ron Legrand. Okay, so here it is. This is one something-for-nothing guru who put out a set of courses 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. This guy watched that course, and now he's teaching his own course, which is basically a copy and a regurgitation of the same material these guys taught 20, 30 years ago. He goes on and says, Marco Rubel's course seems a little outdated. Of course it is. It's 30 years old, yet it's very, very comprehensive, comprehensively presented. Hope this helps you understand a little bit more. Yeah, it actually does help me understand a little bit more where you, why he's getting all these ideas from. He's bought a course where, and this happens all the time, somebody steals somebody else's information that makes a course out of it. Now I want to share with you what I see. Out there, folks, there is a group of people that have no money and no credit or very little of each. And they're coming from the I'm behind the eight ball type of thing in life. Or I'm, you know, it's not fair, the world isn't fair to me type thing. And what they go and look for is they look for the something for nothing, instantaneous, gratificationally diseased, midnight madness ideas that may get them rich, take $10 and turn it into a million. I want to tell you about these people because I call these the handicapped gurus. What do I mean by that? Well, the first ones I ever saw of it was a guy named Tommy Vu, which is a Vietnamese guy that had uh, infomercials with uh, him standing on a boat with eight, ten naked, almost naked girls next to him or in front of a big car or in front of a plane telling you, I do this. If I do this, you're not doing You American, you should be able to do that. I can do this. I do this. And by the way, just look him up. You'll find I'm not lying about the accident or anything. If I can do this, you should be able to do this. This is not that, da, 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 and on and on and on, right? Next guys that did this were two little midgets. Say, Dell, it's inappropriate to say midget. That's what they called themselves, the real estate midgets. Don't go off on me. They use that handicap to sell the fact that, hey, if we, we, and if you look at them, you, you, you understand what I'm saying. They, they, they are taking a deformed look and trying to say, if we can do it, you can do it too. We'll be right back with Del Wamsley Radio Show. Thirteen seventy, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time. Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. As we went to break, I got squeezed out of the last couple of statements, comments I wanted to make, and that was that there's this whole genre of real estate investment gurus that are the I am the worst option that someone could be on earth. In other words, I'm a minority, I'm a, um, oh, the, like the midgets, like I'm handicapped, I don't, need, I don't know if 
being a midget considered handicapped, but you know, I've got these limitations in life, right? Or I'm a foreigner, Tommy Vu, I'm a foreigner. By the way, the uh, the two guys that, uh, the two, they're called midget real estate investors. I don't know what else to call them. Uh, their names was John and Greg Rice. So you can look them up. And like I said, I got them by going midget real estate investing. They came right up. If you could look at John and Greg Rice, they'd probably come up also. The other one's Tom Vu or Tommy Vu. And uh, he come up right away also. And you should watch their infomercial. And what I want you to see when you look at it is I want you to see that it's who is it being broadcast to? Do you think it's being broadcast to educated people? No, it's being broadcast to those people that are of the lower socioeconomic bracket, probably definitely of the broke genre, definitely of somebody needing something for nothing. And we're saying, look, we had nothing. We started with nothing and now we're rich. And the way they're proving the rich is by showing themselves next to yachts, planes and cars and so forth. And you'll notice that I don't have any seminars or any marketing material with me sitting next to a yacht, which I don't have, a plane, which I don't have. I do have four nice cars, but none of them are Ferraris, which I say, if once you're impotent enough to need to buy a Ferrari, that tells you something about the human being. And I can buy 10 of them and have every color if I wanted one. But it's just a ridiculous car. You can't drive it anywhere. You can't ever open it up. It's against the law, right? Or whatever. You get the point. It's the something for nothing people. Now, that's what their clientele was. That's what they were looking for. And they were getting those people to sign up and put credit card. They, during the seminar, they'd get them to increase the amount of limits on their credit cards so they could go ahead and afford to buy their courses. And even if they were broke because they got them to open new credit cards or increase the limit on their credit cards, they could afford to put that down on a credit card and buy their program. That's the full scam. All right, so what does that fall into? That falls into the I'm too late, I must play catch up mentality, or I need something to level the playing field mentality, which is I'm, look at me, I'm just, the world wasn't fair to me. All of those which, are not what our program really works well with. Our program works well with the person that has a logical a point of view in life, has uh, been semi-successful as both having a job, working, establishing credit, and or if they've made a mistake, and I've, I'm on my third wife, so if they've made a mistake or two, they've been able to pull through it and get out of the mistake and continue to grow forward. Those types of people, have been successful at some level in life, whether it be uh, finances, whether it be family, whether it be um, credit, whether you know, they've, they've figured out and or controlled some portion of their life that gives them a, a foothold to stand on. With me here today is a perfect example of someone that did not join the program because he was a something for nothing type of individual. This is an intelligent, highly educated person from a city of people who all believe they're the smartest people in the world. Um, and yet he has, you know, a very, very good job, was very successful and was still looking for something else. And with that, I want to introduce uh, one of our um, presenters and uh, educators, Mr. Lee Reeves, out of Nashville, Tennessee, formerly out of New York. That's why I was complaining about the New York people that know everything. Uh, welcome to the show, Lee. Thanks, Dell. Thanks for having me on. I always love coming on your show. And, I, and I'll tell you, I was listening to your description of the uh, something for nothing real estate gurus. And I, I was laughing out loud because I had never heard of the real estate 
Uh, the midget real estate twins, uh, but I swear to God, they're on the internet. They were two feet, 10 inches tall, and I guess that was their stick, but that's not really what it's about is overcoming physical limitations. It's about overcoming the mental limitations that we place on ourselves. And, and I did exactly that. I, I tell people that I am a recovering attorney. And uh, that's what I did when I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a long process. I'm still recovering. Uh, but that's what I did when I was in New York City uh, working uh, around the clock up there. And I knew that I would do okay. And I did. Uh, but I also knew that I, I wouldn't be wealthy and retired for a long, long time unless I found something else. Uh, earlier in your show, you were talking about marrying the right person and that being one of the factors for success. And I got to tell you, I sure did. I married, I think, the right person. Uh, my wife, though, uh, she and I both bought into the fallacy that we needed more degrees. So between the two of us, we have seven degrees, Del. Whoa. whoa. Nine, seven. <laughs> she has most of them. <laughs> Man, I'd love to know what that cost you. I would love to know what that cost you in time uh, yeah. that you didn't work to get yep. those and in cost to buy those educational packages. I'm afraid to add it up. I don't. I think it would depress me. But um, she's got a Ph.D. and three master's degrees. When I just when I found Lifestyles, um, she she said, you know what? You pursue it. I trust you. And I'm so glad she did. Now she's the vice president of education of Lifestyles. Um, so so we're, we're doing really well. I wanted to mention a couple things, though, before we jump, and I know we're at the end of your segment. Um, I always like to come on and talk about the upcoming event because uh, even though I've done well, even though you've done well and she's done well, and we have uh, thousands of other examples, uh, I want to make sure other people can access the same thing because we've got some great things coming up. Well, we've only got a minute uh, left, so want, go ahead and get it out there if you can. I will. I will. Free workshops. Go to register at lifestylesunlimited.com. Uh, we've got a case study coming up this Thursday. We've got the Financial Freedom Seminars both this weekend and a four-part evening version that starts next Tuesday. Go to givemetotalfreedom.com, promo code DELL, D-E-L, and we would love to see you. Well, Lee, I appreciate you coming on and, and explaining to everybody when they can get in. I know that uh, you're working hard to educate, and your wife's doing a wonderful job on uh, organizing our educational process. It's funny. Um, we were able to put that beautiful college degree, master's and doctorates to work for us in helping other people to be able to retire. So thank you for what you do and what your wife does. And for the rest of you out there, remember this. It's not just a little bit more money. It's a completely different lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation.
The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.